Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you troubled by stale podcasts in the middle of the night? Do you love films that feature the busting of spooks, specters, or ghosts? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Ghostbusters Resurrection is an RPG audio drama combining tabletop gaming and cinematic paranormal elimination adventures. Call the professionals at nerdyshow.com slash ghostbusters. We're ready to believe you. State of the Empire is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. And is brought to you in part by Consequence of Sound, the web's foremost source of music and film news, reviews, and insights. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to State of the Empire, Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. And this episode is the episode teetering on the edge of the release of The Last Jedi. I can't believe we're here. <laughs> it feels so long ago that this felt so long <laughs> until we got it. <laughs> um, obviously, we're at a very critical moment in the timeline right now. So here's how this is going to go. We are going to have a ton of content behind the blast doors, our spoiler-proof blast doors. So if you want to come into the film uh, untainted, don't go beyond, beyond that point in this episode. However, however, we will have some content beforehand, and here's how I see this going. We have a lot of things that we've, we've learned recently because the Last Jedi visual dictionary was accidentally shipped early to Target and someone who was stalking it took a bunch of pictures of it. So we've read it. And a true a true Bothan spy. Yeah, a true Bothan spy. <laughs> and it's it's actually it's a it's a fantastic book that offers, I feel, like based on intuition as to what we usually get from these things, a ton of additional perspective about the ways that this film connects with the world. And we're it, in front of the blast doors, we're gonna share a few things that are totally not spoiler related at all that uh, in some ways tag back to things we've been talking about on the show for you know well over a year at this point that kind of confirm rumors and add details and it really it adds a wealth of interconnectivity between all the various transmedia properties of Star Wars this whole book but beyond the blast doors oh boy there's a lot to say from the source and uh, in fact the um, people have seen the movie now the 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 premiere happened in Los Angeles, and we have some some tweets we're going to read that offer some perspective on well people's reactions in general, what to expect. And if you are listening to this after the films come out, I actually think that there's a good chance that all the speculation we're going to have based on the Visual Dictionary behind the blast doors could actually inform um, 
you'll having seen the movie, it might actually enrich it. It might you might. I think we're going to glean more context based on the interrelation of the different pieces of the Star Wars universe from this book. This movie feels, because of the visual dictionary, feels as rich as the prequels did with side story and like fully fleshed out worlds. Like Force Awakens didn't have that. We've gotten a lot of good Jakku stuff, but like the world didn't seem to expand very much. And like, I don't know, the visual dictionary just like for this particular movie, just like blew up this new post Return of the Jedi world in a really good way. Yeah, we I don't think we'll ever have seen a Star Wars movie like this before. It looks incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a video featurette called The World of the Last Jedi that we'll link to. And it has some new shots on it. If uh, if you haven't been like following the trailers or following our Star Wars spoilers Facebook page. Um, there's some new material in there and some behind-the-scenes content that shows how they film some of it. It just... If this movie is a, a stinking bantha turd, it will still be probably the prettiest Star Wars movie that's ever been made. Or at least one of the coolest looking. That's, sure. That seems pretty clear already. Um, so I think it's also safe to say that the uh, the visual guide has given me more satisfaction with trying to understand what happened post return of the Jedi than, uh, uh, than the entire force awakens did. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and this is actually, this is the first of a week of state of the empire releases. That's right. We're, uh, we're coming at you. We're state of the empire is going to (laughs) end 2017 a little early. Uh, we got this episode. We have our forthcoming review of the force awakens, the force awakens, the last Jedi released, as soon as we can possibly get it out. And then this weekend we're going to be, well, Doug and I are going to be doing the Star Wars VR experience, Secrets of the Empire, and offering a full review of that content. Actually, Matt, I haven't asked yet. Um, you're, you're doing it when it debuts in Anaheim in January. Do you, uh, do you even want to be around? It's looking, a little, it's looking a little dicey. Oh, really? I may not be able to. Yeah. Oh, shit. Do you do you want to be around for Doug and I talking about everything we have seen and experienced, or do oh, you want to? Oh yeah, for sure. If okay. I can. Oh yes. Okay. Cool. I did. I did. I did. I did Droid Repair Bay last night, though, so I oh, can wow. speak on that. Cool. Okay. So we're gonna be talking. We're we're not just talking about the Last Jedi in this episode. There's also a little bit of Han Solo stuff. There's a little bit of video game stuff, and and you did Droid Repair Bay. So that's that's we'll yep. talk. Oh, we'll talk about that soon. But first, uh, <laughs> uh, the Rancor in the room, the Last Jedi. Here's some stuff that was said on Twitter. Uh, Forcecast said, "You'll have you all have no idea what you're about to see. The saga has truly changed forever. This movie is not what you expect in a lot of ways, but open your mind and realize that's not bad." Company man EW's Anthony Bresnikin says, "I think that the Last Jedi may be the first Star Wars movie that's not just about growing up, but also about growing old." New characters mature. Veterans learn about becoming more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Luke was right. This is not going to go the way you think. The Last Jedi will shatter you and then make you whole again. It's uh, a bit to be read into there, and I don't... I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think you could have chosen his words a little bit more carefully instead of leading everyone on to like using words that Obi-Wan said before he died. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that, that has what... It, I'll get into it, but what's leading to to my madness that has like kept me into a very weird sleeping schedule this yeah. past twelve hours. Matt, why don't we talk about that real quick? Like, wh- where's your headspace at right now? I, 
Oh man, guys, I, I feel like Sagarera at this point. I'm <laughs> like I, I'm hobbling around like him, and like everything I read on the internet is like lies, deception. <laughs> Every day, more lies. Like it's just the internet is just like I mean these communities that are obsessed with spoilers, like Reddit and Force.net and a couple other places, like they're just tearing themselves apart right now. It's uh, we'll get into it behind the blast doors, but wow. There's some crazy, crazy fights going on right now with what is real and what's not. I love it. I love well, it. As long as we're not like we're going to all hop into a van to go to the premiere of The Last Jedi and you're just like, no, it's too late for me. I'm too old. <laughs> I'm tired I, well, you know, it's funny. I, I have I have told uh, our, our show friend Rex, I have mentioned to him that I'm getting to the point where like I'm reading certain things and I'm like, I can't do it. I can't see this movie if what I'm reading is true. Oh, my God. But then I read things where I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see this movie. So it's so much fun. I don't know. I know what to think. I think everybody's here to kill me. Like, they may have sent you guys to kill me. (laughs) We got four days, Matt. Can you last four days? Oh, man, I hope so. Well, uh, Penny Nimroff of Collider says, The Last Jedi floored me. Ryan Johnson and the team nail so much. Thrills, laughs, heart, and most of all, pushing the character's overall franchise in a major step forward. Some really rich material to explore in the future. Can't wait for more. Scott Mance of Access Hollywood says, This is a critical one. The Last Jedi, a little too long and dragged in the middle, but great fun overall. As good as The Force Awakens, Rogue One is better. More humor than expected. Great Star Wars moments. Mark Hamill is awesome. A worthy episode eight. This this is where it gets weird because people, everyone has their favorite. Like, oh, I like Force Awakens. Oh, I like Rogue One. But whenever someone is commenting about what they saw in the Last Jedi, they're so far. It's like, oh, way better than Rogue One. Maybe better than Force Awakens, or the opposite, where it's like, oh my gosh, way better than Rogue One. <laughs> but Force Awakens, you know, it's like it, everyone is so divided on what they like before this. Right. <clears throat> it's hard to I, gauge I think it's where very... this quality is. It's very impressive so far that they've made two movies in which there's like you can pick sides. You know, there's not one that's so clearly objectively better than the other from like a filmmaking standpoint that you can you can say like, oh, I totally like Rogue One better than Force Awakens and the opposite way around. And I can understand where both people are coming from. Like, I can understand it, too. I just find it strange that even though I understand where both sides come from. I can't get a good read on where this one fits in, except for in most cases, they seem to like it more than the, than the other two. Mm -hmm. Terry Schwartz of IGN says as much as the force awakens was about looking back, the last Jedi is all about looking forward. There's a scene in the last Jedi that I kept playing over and over in my head. That is so stunning and unexpected that I don't want to forget how I felt seeing it for the first time. This movie feels unlike any other star Wars movie in all the ways I hoped. Which is that's I don't know what that I I look, so look forward to, to seeing what the hell Terry's talking about there. That's that's crazy. And then one final one because of course we all care about his opinion. <laughs> uh, Marvel comic artist Rob Liefeld, who was for some reason at the premiere, says it does not get any better than Star Wars: The Last Jedi. <laughs> that was typed in all caps. So many exclamation marks. He doesn't actually sound like that. But boy, he reads that way. We got some, some quotes from Ryan Johnson that elaborate on some, some aspects of the structure of the film. He said, The first cut of the film was well over three hours, and the Blu-ray is going to have a bunch of his favorite deleted scenes, some of which are whole sequences. 
Um, but there's not going to be an extended cut of the film. That's not in the plans. But I guess we're going to see whatever we end up seeing from this three-hour version. I guess we'll have a lot of polish on it, which is exciting. Um, and he uh, he also provided because you know he's he's in the the interview cycle now, and we just had that huge announcement about oh yeah, Ryan Johnson's getting his own trilogy. He said he will write and direct the first one, but as for the other two, quote, I don't know yet. I know I want to come up with the whole thing, and then we'll see. So he's masterminding at the very least, but. Whether or not he wants to commit a decade of his life to it, TBD. Now, here's where we're going to segue into the visual dictionary stuff that we can share with you for fun to show you how uh, interesting the material inside of this book is, um, and so on. I mean, and it, it is really, it can't be overstated. It's filled to the brim with interconnected notes on other stories, past, present, and in fact, future things we know are coming out that this clearly references from all over the Star Wars canon. Um, scattered throughout the, the whole book is, is a blow-by-blow account of the movie in greater detail than we had before, though um, there's also still, we still don't know a lot about the third act. There's still a lot that's extremely cryptic, but we, we have, we, we're seeing it in much greater clarity than we had prior. Um, here's one of the Actually, just to give you some perspective on how we did this, I read through all of it, and as I did it, I made notes, and then I had to put those notes in sequence. Because say you look at a page about Ray, or a page about Finn, or a page about like a battle that happens. You might find further details about, say, that battle on other people's pages, and then have to sequence them together into a timeline. And once, But once you take all the separate pieces from the book and put it together, it turns into actually a pretty concise outline. One of the things I noticed was there's a... There's this page that has a map on it, a map of the known Star Wars universe, highlights some key planets. There's things on the side, little side panels. There's a thing called Starkiller Aftershocks. And this this plays out like what might be the title crawl for this film because it provides so much more information about really the repercussions of what the fuck happened. Like the, you know, cuz in The Force Awakens, some really bad stuff happened to the new, to the new Republic. Really bad stuff, and it's so glossed over. Um, which is one of our major criticisms of it. So this thing says, it was the cataclysm heard around the galaxy. The Starkiller's blast tore the very fabric of hyperspace, and moments later, the Hosnian system was no more. With a single shot, the First Order decapitated the New Republic, and across the galaxy, worlds began to surrender. In only the span of a few days, the galactic status quo was irrevocably upset and a long simmering cold war burst into flames. That could be copy pasta from the title crawl. For all I know, it reads like what I would want to read at the beginning of this film to help set the stage. Now we have a lot of details on things about the first order that we are familiar with. We know about the first order executioners. We had them, of course, rumored on making Star Wars long ago. The action figures have been out for a while. They're used in promotional art. Um, but here's some interesting details about the nature of them. Any trooper could be assigned on a given day to be an executioner. Like, it's likely that even Finn has done this at some point. Uh, you put on the mask, which hides your identity. It doesn't have the same, like, identification. And you carry out public executions, because that's a normal thing in the First Order. Because, in some ways, they're starting to sound much worse than the Empire? And those, um... This might have already been revealed on an action figure, but those things, those weird energy weapons with the claws, those are called laser axes. And uh, Doug, since I know you're a big fan of laser whips, <laughs> I was wondering, I was wondering how you felt about a laser axe. Um, 
actually doesn't really bother me yet. It doesn't bother me yet. <laughs> um, the, looking at it in the visual dictionary, it kind of looked cool because even though it's called a laser axe, it's not a lightsaber axe. Like, it's not a big, fat, glowing blade. It's just, like, those claws, and then there's, like, arc electricity in it. And so it's more of, like, like a like a lightning bolt is cutting through your neck, I guess, which is, like, way more metal and cool than uh, than just a big pink glowing uh uh you know lightsaber in the shape of an axe blade so i think it's cool so far i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad that not all laser and then the name of a weapon upsets you on a really fundamental level well no because it's not a laser it's a it's a it's a lightning bolt (laughs) it's like it's not the the name wouldn't upset me as much as if it was just literally a lightsaber in the shape of an axe which it is not thankfully (laughs) So the uh, the true scale of the First Order military is apparently beyond Leia's worst-case projections. You know, we already know about the gigantic Star Destroyer that, uh, that Snoke is based on, the supremacy. Um, and uh, in this, we're actually going to see another thing that uh, I don't... It's, in my eyes, I've already seen pictures of it uh, he, here in other places. It's a really weird, blocky-looking Star Destroyer called the Fulminatrix, a Mandator 4 Class Siege Dreadnought, which... It's like capable of orbital bombardment and so on. Um, there's a quote here from the book. It says, In the shadowy corners of uncharted space and within the hidden ledgers of scheming weapons manufacturers, the First Order has been secretly building for war. And it also it also is full of the things that like make visual dictionaries super goofy, which is like they'll show you some uh, you know, official photography of, say, like a background First Order guy. For example, the uh, the human uh, first order captain Canaday, where it has a little line pointing to his his face that says, "Worry lines publicly display private doubts." <laughs> it's like one of his features, yeah. like like a technology feature. Like this model of first order officer comes with worry lines, <laughs> which you'll note can publicly display private doubts. Oh, I was wondering what those worry lines did. Thanks. <laughs> That kind of sounds like First Order propaganda. It's like, Captain, you seem to have worry lines. You don't have any private doubts, do you? <laughs> oh, well, I know, no. Because you're, you're publicly displaying them. I oh, hope I that's a, I, 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 oh, I, I pray up. that that scene is in, is in Last Jedi. <laughs> and Kylo just publicly, or actually, maybe that's where the Executioner troopers come in. He orders them to, to execute Captain Kennedy for his worry lines. Anyone who's got worry lines on their face, you know, just kill them where they stand. And at that moment, everyone <laughs> looks extremely concerned, so they're all dead. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so it may surprise you to know that I'm going to talk a little bit about Snoke here before the blast doors, but but I am. So it said uh, here, Snoke is powerful in the dark side of the Force, but he is no Sith, which is something that um, Andy Serkis said recently as well in an interview. That thousand-year lineage stretching from Darth Bane to the last Sith Lord, Darth Vader, was undone when Vader died, destroying his mentor, Darth Sidious. The fulfillment of an ancient prophecy foretold the end of the Sith, but it never predicted the end of darkness. That's fine. Don't worry. If anybody's freaking out, like, we're never going to get Sith again, that sucks. Disney will go back to that well eventually. Yeah, and all they have to do is set a film earlier. No big. Or later. I honestly think they could do it even later. Like, I think once it, once, you know, it's long, not long enough has passed, I, I think we'll get some Sith back. I think the Sith were just as overrated as the Jedi at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for something new. 
Now, we mentioned that the Snoke action figure had a weird ring on his finger. We now have an absurd amount of details about this ring. I don't believe it's going to be important to the film, but it's full of a bunch of those cool facts that only a weird book like the Visual Dictionary can give you. It's a gold-etched ring with glyphs of the Duarte, which I didn't know what it was, so I looked it up. Matt, were you aware of it before you read about it? Um, no. It's a planet mentioned only in passing in the Darth Plagueis novel. It was home to the four sages of Duarte, Sistros, Faya, Yanyan, and Brata, who were controversial philosophers and lawgivers from the early days of the Galactic Republic. Now that's kind of weird. But set into this ring, a big honking black stone, for reasons I can only begin to guess is obsidian from the catacombs beneath Vader's Mustafar castle. <laughs> Cuz why not? Yeah, I don't I just, I, wow. I, I, I don't foresee it having any anything to do with the film. I just think it was a cool thing they were like this will look really great in the visual dictionary and we'll add some glyphs on it. You know, it's really all I, really seen. I I do think I do think it's it's continuing to to pound in like this movie is starting to more and more about balance as a theme. And like, you know, we have first officer order, like captains that have worry lines saying they're not completely (laughs) like certain of the thing that they're, you know, doing. And now you have like rings featuring Republic lawgivers, but are made from like the foundation of like the, you know, an Imperial, you know, Lord. There seems to be a lot of that going around. A lot of yin yang thing, including Luke's medallion thing that was in the visual guide as well. Luke's medallion thing. Yes. Yes. Something we'll talk about. Behind the Blast Doors, something that right. if you've listened to our prior Blast Doors, you already know a little bit about. Um, but now we have some clarity, maybe. <laughs> the the uh, <laughs> some, some more Snoke-related stuff. The Praetorian Guards, we've seen them all over everything. Their weapons are all vibroblades, which is kind of cool. And uh, something that, man, Doug, do you want to share the factoid that got you really excited about them? Well, <laughs> about the Praetorian Guards. Uh, well, the, the vibroblades I was excited about to begin with. It's like already I was like, oh, sweet. So they can have, you know, lightsaber combat action because for anyone who doesn't know, vibroblades uh, are a type of blade that can withstand a hit from a lightsaber without breaking. So you could have a vibroblade axe or a vibroblade sword and fight someone with a lightsaber. And it comes from, uh, I don't know if it's originally from, but it's definitely featured in the Knights of the Old Republic games, which I'm a big fan of. But when it comes to other video games <laughs> that I tend to be a fan of, uh, there's a quote saying, the examination of the Victorian fighting style reveals a hybrid of, among other things, Terraskazi, <laughs> which cracked me up because the Masters of Terraskazi game was a game that I played religiously all the time, even though it was terrible. <laughs> and I just loved it because it was Star Wars and you could be Luke and have a lightsaber. And this weird Kung Fu style is just... I don't know. I, I I think that's just something that somebody threw in to the visual dictionary as just a as an as a nod. I don't think there's any I'm actual sure. Terraskazi official movements or anything, but uh, I am I am very uh, tickled that they would put that in there. And it's also not just their uh, vibroblades that can deflect lightsabers. These guys actually have custom armor uh, that they go into the actual nature of in great detail in the book that is made to deflect indirect lightsaber contact. So these guys surround Snoke because they're his human shield. All the explanations for them and how they work were all pretty damn cool. All this says to me is that Snoke is so freaking terrified of Luke Skywalker. I can't even 
imagine, because they know they've narrowed it down to only one Jedi left, but yet he still has this like kick-ass guard and like all these things. And he's like got Snoke and the Knights of, or, uh, rather, Snoke has Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren like all training ready to go. He's like building an army of like Jedi killers, but there's only one left. So I don't know. It's uh, we should point out you, you I, just I mentioned the Knights of Ren. Field. They're nowhere in this visual dictionary. So don't get your hopes up for that. We don't know anything about them. They're not here. Um, I think the Knights of Ren are dead. Yeah, why do you think that? But well, I, I think I think that they would have appeared in this movie, and we've gotten absolutely no indication that they will be. And I have a feeling uh, they probably all died uh, fighting against Luke for the for the temple. That's just pure speculation. I have nothing to base that on. I just feel like why didn't we get some some Ren Knights? It just seems strange to me. Maybe we know. will. Yeah, maybe they're withholding. Who knows? Um, uh, and, and the Praetorian Guards, they are not the only posse that Snoke has, uh, but we'll talk about the attendants behind the blast doors because that is some weird shit. Now, a little bit of uh, other character material. Pose, pose wearing, uh, or Finn is wearing pose jacket still, but uh, it's stitched up now because, you know, he got, he got lightsabered. He, got, he had some battle damage. But uh, highlighted, much like the uh, the worry lines, in his gesture of friendship, Poe Dameron repaired Finn's jacket while he recovered. So Aww. that's that's sweet. But then Poe wears his mom's wedding ring as a necklace, which he hopes to someday, quote, share it with the right partner. Or maybe with the right stormtrooper. <laughs> we if can only hope. Me, they've, had the be- they've had the best romantic chemistry so far. I don't think there's any other romantic chemistry. <laughs> I think that's the well, only one. well, there was there was there was Finn asking. It wasn't chemistry, but Finn did ask about uh, Ray's, you know, boyfriend. But he also asked cute boyfriend. Like I think he wanted to know, like, <laughs> hey, is your boyfriend cute? I kind of want to meet him. <laughs> but we'll see. I I I'm totally shipping Finn and Poe. Worlds will quake, in the best way possible. Oh, oh my gosh! They'll like. I mean, it'll be like Hosnian Prime blow up. <laughs> <laughs> Except it'll be Tumblr instead. <laughs> now, um, there's a lot to say about Octo that we're not saying here, but in the past we talked about a creature that was seen from aerial shots of the island where they filmed Skleg Michael. Um, and at first we thought there was a connection between it and the bull gullet from Rogue One, the Saw's weird pachyderm that makes you crazy. Um but doesn't. Yeah, but doesn't. <laughs> but only a little. Uh, <laughs> but this is not a bull gullet. It is, in fact, a uh, Thalus siren, which is a kind of like bipedal sea mammal with very, very boob like abdominal udders that Luke milks for green milk. Blue milk? Well, they got if he's milking it, they got to make sure it's boob like and not nothing else. Otherwise, it would probably divide a lot of people. It could have been. <laughs> well, <laughs> It could have been a cow, but instead it's a weirdly anthropomorphic, gigantic, you know, like sea lion. Sea and, cow. Yeah, it's like a sea cow. But like more like a person, and it's got a whole bunch of abdominal breasts that Luke Skywalker's like, hey, how you doing? I'm here for my green milk. I miss blue milk, <laughs> but I, I'll take green milk. You know, it's kind of like yellow milk plus blue milk equals green milk. So can I get it from your from your boobs on your abdomen today? preferably oh boy <laughs> i hope we have a milking sequence i just i really i really hope that happens 
Well, there's some indications we will. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> and um, it's one of the tests. He's like, "Go, oh, go, milk this creature for me." <laughs> there's also other species of creatures on. Octo, we've mentioned them in the past. They're called the caretakers. They're described as bird nuns. And uh, they're actually a species called the Lanai or the Linaeus. I'm not really sure how they're pronouncing that. Um, and the the females are these uh, are called the caretakers, but the males are called visitors because they're out fishing all the time and then just come back to land. Um, and boy, they their society, they've got all these props and all this concept art. Like there's a lot of depth to what they showed in the uh, visual dictionary like dark crystal levels of depth and puppetry and design and I, it's hard to say what kind of role they'll have in the film but i'm i'm wondering if maybe all these details hint that there's some like cool just weird sequences of like ray and luke witnessing their culture for a bit i have to admit i was a little worried about these uh them at first when they were first referred to as like the nuns I was like, are they like nuns of the force? Like, I didn't quite understand what it was going for. Like, like, are they helping Luke so he's not in isolation? That seems like a backpedaling of like what we everything we heard about him so far. But apparently, this this doesn't look like the case. It just sort of looks like they live on the opposite side of the island, keep to themselves, and uh, don't really interact with him at all. So I'm I I too am curious as to what their role is in the film. And there's got to be some point where luke and ray are looking down on that village and being like oh look they live in balance of the force i don't know but it's you don't go into that much depth without having something some reason behind it i mean either way they're they're just one of the many things that says like this movie is going to feel alien and weird and i mean just having anything in a star wars film that evokes dark crystal i'm like yeah you're on the right track now the other place that happens is canto bite and oh wow Oh, wow, folks. Canto Bite. We already knew it was going to be crazy. It's going to be so crazy. It's going to be so good. There's so many weird, awesome things happening in it. Now, this is... We've learned a little, a little bit more about it. We've seen the first actual shots of it at large in the uh, worlds of The Last Jedi featurette I mentioned. On the fringes of the galaxy in corporate space, a fiefdom where the corporate entities are given free reign to govern their own territory. And it's a desert planet... But they're so rich, they installed an artificial ocean. Which, in the Canto Bite book, which has been extremely enjoyable so far, I'm about halfway through, um, some great stories in there. The the cost of keeping that ocean going is like more than like some planets' economies. <laughs> Good grief! That's great. I'm I in reading through this visual dictionary, every single Canto Bite page, I was like, man. How much am I just reading like a summary of the book here? I'm I'm curious. Have you noticed any? Uh, were there any things in in this in the visual dictionary that were like, oh yeah, this is exactly this character from the book, and this is a summary of that story that I read? Not that I could find. I was actually looking through the Canto Bite section, and I also just wanted to finish the Canto Bite stuff because, like, at least when the book came out, there was no picture references for the aliens that like because all the main characters are aliens, and. I'm trying to picture how I see the alien via the descriptions in the book and then want to see what they actually look like afterwards. So I decided to quit my search to see what certain mm. characters looked like. But from what I've heard, everybody in Canto Bite is in the movie. So they were trying to like correct the whole, <laughs> you know, Zuvio fiasco. <laughs> um, so I decided I'm going to wait until I finish the Canto Bite book before I like check them out in the visual dictionary. Cool. 
Well, here's here's what we can share so far, and these just I mean, it, this just got me excited for everything. There's just amazing aliens. I mean, this thing it looks like Hayao Miyazaki's Spirited Away, like the weird like spirit spa of creatures. Like we're gonna there's an alien spa in it, Zord Spa and Bathhouse. There's uh, Lexo Suger, a masseuse whose body can sense lactic acid in muscle tissue, whose fingertips create soothing vibrations. Uh, and if you have a thing for say uh, egg laying or sexy insects, well, you got two in one. Ubla Malbro is going to have your erectile tissue standing at attention. <laughs> she is one of the weirdest looking creatures in the Star Wars universe, and uh, yeah, I all all this character design, I'm just completely dazzled by. They're, they got they're they're for, forget Max Rebo, forget Figur and Dan. They have an incredible looking band of tree faced creatures that communicate through music, and they're like the band in the casino. Um, there's two two weird characters called Lovey and Master Codebreaker that had such like weird backstories that I was like, am I reading about movie characters or am I reading about book characters? There's like so much detail there. But it's like a weird smarmy human guy who's got like a some penchant for like hyper codes and then this like alien lady that's trying to like steal his title because like if you if you beat the master code breaker you become the master code breaker hmm. Hmm. based on the name alone i was thinking it was going to be like honey bunny and pumpkin from pulp fiction <laughs> just like they're the ones who are just gonna <laughs> foolishly break into the casino and be like all right everyone listen up <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a little bit of concept art for something called the Reduli Cafe, which um, we mentioned a cafe in past rumors in regards to like meeting places for uh, Finn and Rose to go. And I think that that's uh, that must be it. And then in tandem with that, you know, we've mentioned the Fathiers, the um, the weird kind of dog dragon racehorse things that have now started to show up in some of the trailers. And boy. Uh, when you get when you buy a plush Fathier and they are they're out there. When you buy one of those cute little things, remember that uh, <laughs> Fathier races are horrible, and they're not just horrible because of the uh, comparisons to Greyhound racing, but uh, the stables are run by a grotesque dude named Bargwill Tomder, who has a team of urchins who he literally whips into action, and these are children abandoned by losing gamblers. He uses children because they're so small and the stables that they keep the failures in are so uh, cramped that you have to be tiny in order to get around. The whole thing's a terrible industry. Canto Blight is a terrible place. Um, interesting that, uh, I mean, I suppose not surprising that corporate space does not have any regulations about animal cruelty. They don't give a fuck. We've talked about DJ in the past, Benicio Del Toro's character, and what the hell... DJ means and how on his cap according to like if you can read Arabesh on say the pop figure the action figure it says don't join and we're like the fuck is that that can't possibly be what DJ stands for right that's what DJ stands for <laughs> stands for don't <laughs> join <laughs> it's his personal ethos he thinks larger causes are for fools since society is just a machine looking to turn everyone into a cog, so for some reason he has scrawled in his own, I guess, not handwriting, but metal scraping, don't join on his hat. I'm hoping that's actually cool somehow, but I don't know how. I mean, I was going to say he sounds like they're trying to make like a Han Solo, but Han Solo's name is literally Han Solo. <laughs> like, so how <laughs> feels hypocritical to to judge 
Benicio del Toro's, oh, don't join? What, because he's such a loner? Oh, you know, but it's it's in the same wheelhouse as on Solo, so I really can't judge. Yeah, I mean, Darth Maul and Savage Press aren't exactly... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, especially when, when you roll those homeboys out, especially Savage, uh, boy, you, all arguments about naming conventions in Star Wars fall to pieces. Yeah. I mean, just even... The thing is just DJ. Those are, you know, letters in English. <laughs> you know? I mean, they're it's the Arabic alphabet, so it's like I uh, I don't understand how it connects with Orbesh, but you know, hey, whatever. Well, Orbesh is still like it's a one to one codex for the Arabic alphabet, so uh, we just got to assume that whatever those letters are called in Basic is what his name actually is, but we don't know that because. We're seeing a translated film from another galaxy, I guess. Maybe. We got a a couple character leaks from a card game. These characters are also featured in um, in the Visual Dictionary, but not in, in the same detail. This is a card game unappealingly named Top Trumps. Um, and they tie in weirdly with Elizabeth Wine's book, Cobalt Squadron. I don't know. Is that out yet, Matt? Do you know? No, it comes out the day of the film. Well, coming soon, uh, we have some more info on Rose's sister, Paige, which I guess we won't get into right now. Um, but uh, they also have a resistance bomber called Nix, who attends the bomb release trigger, which they highlighted in the Visual Dictionary, ready to drop the vessel's explosive payload onto First Order targets. And these bombers are space bombers, so they... they uh, detail a little bit how bombing works in zero gravity. It's it's interesting. It's an interesting concept. It's kind of like a minefield. Um, and they also have resistance pilot Tally Lintra, who's an A-wing pilot. Uh, she's included in an upcoming toy set and also name drop in the new uh, Battlefield 2 expansion. So I have no clue how significant she is, at, if at all, in the film, but she's getting a certain amount of attention. Um, and there's still, you know, there's still a lot we don't know about the end of the film. The big questions surrounding Luke, Snoke, and Ray. We do know one thing about Ray that we can share here, and that is a uh, there's a John Boyega interview um, with Kevin McCarthy from Fox Five. He, uh, the interviewer pointed out, Daisy Ridley has a British accent, like Kenobi, and Boyega doesn't have a British accent. So Boyega interrupted, and he's like, "I think fans should move on from that one, guys. Trust me, I've got your back." Move on from that one. So, officially, according to John Boyega, Ray is not a Kenobi. Whatever she is, she's not a Kenobi. I love that video. I love how when he's like, "Look, if there's something, it's like I got your back on this one." <laughs> you know, like if there's something, you know, if it's something to pay attention to, I, I you know, I'll, 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 I'll let you know. <laughs> like he was very, uh, it was very charming, and like very, uh, very helpful just to be able to put that one behind us. Yeah. Even though I, I like that one personally, but. He's only just, got your back because um, he needs a pilot. Yeah, I, I well, actually, I don't know if you heard, but he was almost didn't make the premiere last night, and actually tweeted like because he was in Atlanta for snowstorm, and he said like, seriously, guys, I actually need a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. He's That's great. great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, well, we have one last thing here from the Last Jedi, and this is a non-canonical Luke backstory. But what happened was Mark Hamill wanted to really get into the mindset of this old, broken, weary guy and didn't really know how to get there, so he wrote a lot of scenarios, apparently. He said, I made notes that 
Luke fell in love with the woman who was a widow and had this young child. He left the Jedi to raise this child, marry this woman, and the child got a hold of his lightsaber and accidentally killed himself. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the story. Um, it, he, he said he, he t- tested things out with Ryan Johnson to make sure that it had the right vibe. But uh, yeah, you know, this, this, this didn't happen. It's non-canonical, but it's interesting to think like, you know, we, when you see the scenes with Luke in this film, think this guy fell in love with a kid and that kid killed himself with a lightsaber. And now Luke Skywalker hates being a Jedi. <laughs> oh, man. Let's talk Han Solo. Uh, we don't have much, but recently we found out that, uh, you know, we, we've been doing these holiday releases for, for these past few years with Star Wars. We got this May release coming up for Solo. We might even, for all we know, actually see a trailer in front of this movie. It's possible. Um, I, I don't believe it. Yeah? I don't believe it. I just, I just don't think they're going to co-opt this movie with, like, hyping another Star Wars film. Like, I think we're going to get, you know, I know the Avengers trailer is online now, but, like, I think we're just going to get Avengers in theaters to, like, hype everybody up for that. And I don't think we'll see Solo until Black Panther in February. But that's, like no time at all to promote a movie in may at all i know but also they you know marvel and and del rey don't have anything tying into solo on their slate like they have their full slate released from like now until like the end of june the movie comes out in may and nothing is tying into solo like unless they announce a bunch of things in like january february like tie-in books and stuff like that i've had this you know i've got a bad feeling about this um I think they want to just get this movie out and over with. It's been a nightmare for them, and I think uh, I'm I'm starting to lose all of my faith in this movie. Wow, <laughs> we'll fucking see. And <laughs> I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting covering the release of Solo and covering everything in the orbit of it. What we do know is that the toys are coming in late April, and we have some code names: Zeus Chariot, Cronus Chariot, Vestus Chariot Battle Pack, Fury, and what they call the Pegasus which there's a price point on, um, and that's $200, which sounds insane. So my only guess for it is that maybe it's a new version of the Millennium Falcon. And the chariots, or an old version from a certain point of view. Right, yes, yes. <laughs> the, char- the chariots are all, these are all vehicle-priced things, which is interesting that this leaked, of all things. Um, I think that it relates to car racing. Which we know was le- at least in the Lord Miller version of the film, um, racing you know hovercraft speeders of some kind. Um, so I think I think that's what's up. But that's just, that's just my best guess based on these extremely vague pieces of information. Yeah, so that's another thing too. By the way, if we're talking st- toys in April, the movie comes out in late May. I mean, you know, all our Force Fridays, you know, are good three months before the movie comes out, and. Solo's getting its toys a month. You know, and the movie's coming out three weeks on the heels of Avengers. Like, I just, I, I, I'm not feeling good about this movie. Everything about it, everything about it, even before Lord Miller rebooted, was a bad idea. I, it's, it's I don't know. I mean, shocking. I still, like, man, there's been some great young Han Solo stories and comics and, and books over the years. And I just really feel like there's, there's a super stylistic, Harkening back to like late seventies era pulp that you can really do something special with, but I just don't think. I think they realized they couldn't achieve that. Like I think they had that idea in their head. I remember some like 
cool like uh old star wars covers from like uh old like really old eu rpg material from like the mid 80s that pablo hidalgo was like posting pictures of after they announced solo and like just some real cool retro retro future stuff and i just i think there was a vision and i think the machine that is lucasfilm can't pull off that sort of thing Hmm. this is going to be a huge proving ground for so much i mean the real question is in the end is like the quote unquote a Star Wars storyline just going to end up being a double box set of Rogue One and Solo, and then we never see that name again. <laughs> yeah, man, like, it, I feel like we're approaching that. But what's great is we won't have to wait long to find out. <laughs> at the very least, yeah, this is going to yeah. fly by like nothing. Now, Matt, you've you've moved on to the Canto Bite book, but before that, you were finishing up the Certain Point of View anthology book. Mm-hmm. How was it overall? At like most anthology books, especially ones that contain a lot of stories, um, there's some highlights, some lowlights. Um, the the name Fake Wedge is now an in canon nickname for the character Fake Wedge. Wait, I, what? What? I don't even. You mentioned that to me in another conversation, and I didn't know what the hell you were talking about. So what are? What is that? There's a character, the one that's talking to Luke. You know, or I, I in the briefing, he's the one near Luke that says that it's impossible to hit like a a. a thermal exhaust port that small and luke uh-huh. says like it's impossible even for a computer exactly and and luke corrects him saying that he used the bullseye his you know womp rats in his t16 or whatever so that character that wasn't dennis lawson they had somebody like sub in for him so but that was supposed to be wedge so eventually they decided well instead of just having it like one actor played him in this earlier scene and then dennis lawson was in the x-wing they're actually two separate characters. But for years, fake wedge was a thing. You know, like with fans, like that it was just how they referred to it. Just like, you know, Hammerhead or Walrus Man, like there was fake wedge. Well, wow. one of the stories <laughs> in certain point of view is fake wedge. Like they, they just told a story from that character's perspective, the new one. And, and they actually referred to him as fake wedge because he has some similarities and look to him. And because like, Wedge is always like getting his like, like the good positions, like getting picked in the squadron ahead of him and things like that. It's very strange. He gets left behind on Yavin during the fight because because of the battle Scarif, they have a lot less ships than pilots. So there was like a a scene where they're it kind of undoes what Rogue One did with the whole like Red Five dying because that made it seem like oh Luke just slipped into that squadron, not a big deal. Well, to this story, like they're picking red squadron before the flight even goes off. And like the, the duty roster captain is like picking the, the 12 best pilots mm. and he skips over fake wedge. But anyway, I've spent a lot of time on fake wedge. <laughs> I mean, I, that's fascinating. I had no idea. That's super weird. So, uh, was that a good story? <laughs> um, yeah, actually it was because it, it was about a soldier, like kind of learning, like it was where it actually addresses wedges, like bailing out, of the fight, which I always took as a very cowardly thing. Like, you know, big stuck in and was like a human shield for Luke essentially. But wedge is just like, sorry guys, I got to go. <laughs> like my X-Wings shot up. Like I ain't sticking around. I'm, and for some reason, George Lucas wanted to spare that character with the whole, like, you can't do any good back there. Go ahead and run the safety. I, th- well, I think that was, that was Luke's compassion coming through. Like that was Luke saying like, you know, Hey, I'm going to go with the force. I'm going to trust in the force. Don't be a human shield for me. Cause I got this. But he didn't tell Biggs to back out of there. Well, he didn't have the confidence yet. It was uh, poor timing on Luke's part. <laughs> well, well, Biggs, Biggs, was at, Biggs dies after Wedge leaves. So 
like there was three down there, but then Wedge bails and now oh, there's I two. Guess, yeah, that's like, true. It's very, it's very, it's kind of weak. But the nice thing is like he taught like fake Wedge talks to real Wedge when he gets back and and real Wedge is having like a crisis like oh my god I like I bailed and everything and then like fake Wedge talks him up like are you kidding you killed six Tie Fighters you you know like. Diver, like basically like lauds all his accomplishments during the fight and it's basically like you know you did a good job and like it's just kind of a it's a nice character moment but especially for a character that like didn't exist technically until a few years ago <laughs> so just just so i can bring it back to masters of Terraskazi, fake wedge is not like jodo cast where he didn't give himself <laughs> yes. the name fake wedge <laughs> yeah and he does not like the nickname fake wedge obviously well who would <laughs> Yeah, but there's some there's some really good stories in there. There's some very interesting tidbits. Like Yoda is gung ho Leia. Like he tells Obi Wan straight up, like I'm not training Luke. I need to train Leia. Leia is the one who's ready. Leia is the one who is like the the most like compassionate, like reasonable, not hot headed. Like Leia's the one, and Obi Wan's like, no, I'm telling you, like it's got to be, it's got to be Luke. And they actually have a disagreement about it until they finally like come to an agreement but one of the things that i'm i want to bring up because it leads into some things beyond the blast doors is there's a very good um obi-wan story in a certain point of view um i'm actually tempted to put it behind the blast doors well let's do it then if, if you, yeah, if you think it's gonna I, go I that just, direction let's do it yeah so the thing i would like the listener to know is that like this obi-wan story is very good in my opinion. And I do think like people that have a chance to get their hands on this book definitely should check that story out. And if you can, maybe sometime this week, because pure speculation on my part that we're going to put behind the blast doors, but I do think it's going to pertain to last Jedi. Here's something we can talk about. Um, and that also pertains to last Jedi and is also from expanded universe content. Poe Dameron number 21, the Marvel comic in it. Lor Senteca has been, uh, he's, he's, arrested for trying to break into a vault where there's something called the Kazaroth device, um, which he he says, this is all quotes from Lorsenteca, it might imply a chapter in the grand history of the Force when light and dark were not in opposition. Oh, let me try to do a Max von Sydow voice. It might imply a chapter in the... No, that sounds like Admiral Akbar. Anyway, uh, it did the, uh, the not, not in opposition, but united. I petitioned the device's owner repeatedly to be allowed access to the Kazaroth, but no, he denied me. I have dedicated my life to gathering knowledge about the Force, both sides, light and dark. So many lives have been lost in their battle over the millennia, but I think that someday this fight could end. If they could work together, see that in many ways they are the same, perhaps the Kazaroth is a path to that future. That is a loaded page, and I think that totally pertains yeah. to this film. Yep. I agree with you. I don't know how, <laughs> but it does. <laughs> um, so, Crate is either coming or has come to Battlefield 2. Has that happened yet? I believe that's either Tuesday this week or maybe Tuesday after Last Jedi. Okay. Uh, it, looks, it looks cool, but uh, it, it's weird because... It also expands not it's not just expanding the multiplayer levels, but it's also expanding the single player campaign. And like because you, you bought the game, but too bad every <laughs> the rest of the story is timed releases. But hey, watch it on YouTube, I guess. But I, I hate the campaign of Battlefront too. I have to say I, I'm like about uh probably eighty percent through it on YouTube now. And I just wow, did they bungle something 
that could have been cool. Like it's I think it's shame. terrible. Yeah. Such a such a damn shame. But but Matt, how is a Star Wars droid repair bay? This is the thing we talked about before. That is was a virtual reality game. Previously, you could only play it at car dealerships. But fortunately, <laughs> it's now it's now free on HTC Vive and Gear VR. Yeah, it's fun. You know, you're on. I'm pretty sure it's the Radis. Um, and you know, anytime you get to have that visceral experience in Star Wars, like it's gonna be like really special. Like you, you know, you don't really. Like that sense of like a of a of a life size droid right in front of you, and there's there's kind of like the the repair bay droid. I'm I'm not sure what the model is. I don't think I recognize it. I wouldn't be surprised if it appeared in Last Jedi, but you know, you just pull up some BB-8s to or some or actually not just BB-8s, but like BB units, um, and kind of like pull out the parts that are highlighted in red because they're broken, and then like little tiny BB units will bring you the the good green parts, and you just plug them in and close them up and then you get to draw like direct the BB units to go where you want them to go. And it's cute. Um, it's awesome to be in a room filled with a bunch of life-size BB units going around you. And of course, if you play it, I would re- really recommend it on HTC Vive just because the Vive's fidelity is so freaking amazing. But as you're there right before the end, the supremacy in the first order fleet hyperspace in, and you can see it out the viewport Shit. and <laughs> yeah. And then some, star, some tie fighters start to head towards the ship and they start firing and that's when it ends. So like, I think this is, this is going on during like the beginning of, of last Jedi. At no point did I suspect this game had anything resembling a place in canon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I think I think it it does. I think. I mean, it might maybe not. It might even be the middle of the movie. If like some things I'm reading about when fleet engagements happen in the movie, like could be the beginning, could be the middle, could be. You know, at this point, I have no idea. <laughs> like I said, I've gone crazy like Saw Gerrera, and I'm starting to doubt everything I know about this movie. As as Luke himself said, "This is not going to go the way you think." <laughs> No, the way the way they treat you in the game, do they treat you like you are a repair droid, or that you are? A, yes, a, a yes, human? you are. You you are a okay. repair droid. You have little like your your controls are like little uh, pincers, and like you can control a like a pick up the BB units with sort of like a magnetic like crane and bring them to you, and then you know you kind of repair them. and And the BB units are so individually like they have different heads and different colorations and like different beeps, and they're very like individual which is really cool to see how customizable bb units can be uh no bb 9e's unfortunately i really want to interact with bb hate but (laughs) have to wait for the uh, first order version of droid repair bay (laughs) we're teetering on the edge of the blast doors here this is where you go thanks so much for joining us remember you can support this show and all the shows in the nerdy show network by rating and reviewing us on itunes or podchaser now, last episode we mentioned we only had four reviews for State of the Empire on Podchaser, but I'm happy to say that uh, now we've got five, <laughs> thanks to awesome. Foz Entertainment, who says, Looking for news in Alderaan places? Need the best Star Wars spoilers that are oftentimes more real than you know? Or what about Willow Watch? Get on State of the Empire's feed and listen in, because these people know their Star Wars. Thanks, Foss. And if you want to support us financially, well... That's all that is. Wow, that's a big help. Thank you. Cool. Um, let me tell you where you can do that. You can go to patreon.com slash nerdy show and it'll support State of the Empire. Also, if you shop on Amazon and want to buy Star Wars stuff on Amazon, go to nerdyshow.com slash Amazon. If you follow that link, 
That's our affiliate link, and anything you buy will give back to the show. So in closing, before the blast doors, we have one final thought. This comes from, it's a warning from Anthony Bresnikin. He says, beware of spoilers. The Last Jedi sneaks up on you in ways you will not expect. I've never seen apparent plot holes wielded as surprise attacks. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. Let's, I guess, we'll start with the visual dictionary, and then we'll dive in off the deep end. This, cause this, is, this is what we know. This is real. This has been printed. This is official Star Wars canon. This is all the lore. This is all the details. Yeah, we'll, we'll build ourselves up to Saw Gerrera level, like, <laughs> eye-twinging. And paranoia. So, as I've sort of plotted these in relative sequence to how I think they're going to go down in the film. And so this starts with escaping the First Order, evacuating Dakar. I don't, I don't think we're opening on Octo with Luke and Rey. Um, I, it, it appears that Paige and Rose are going to have a scene where they're talking about seeing the galaxy um, Paige where, and Rose both wear medallions we mentioned that in the last episode and Paige treats a medallion as a good luck charm but she's on one of the bomber crafts that's uh, helping the resistance escape and she's totally going to die we, we pretty much know that so um, we're going to see a conversation between them she's going to die there's all this stuff relating to the escape. Like, the Resistance treats droids as sentient beings, so they have uh, equal access to escape pods. However, they note that most droids stay behind and sacrifice themselves, kind of implying that we're probably going to see that in the movie. And weirdly, Rose keeps an eye on deserters looking to commandeer escape pods and uses her electroshock prod to stun several within hours of the Dakar evacuation. A lot of this seems to go back to... The movie, one of the movies that Ryan Johnson referenced as a uh, something that he based Last Jedi on, which was, I believe, Twelve O'clock High. Kind of a story. I've never of... seen that. Is it a stoner comedy? <laughs> no, it's a uh, a uh, World War Two film. Uh, bomber pilots in a you know bomber unit. So it's like uh, you know U.S. Army Air Force, and so like you know they have like morale issues and things like that and and it you know the for the time you know very like kind of visceral um like look at what it's like to be in you know these these tight bombers and i have a feeling that like the bomber sequence in this movie is going to be very like much more focused of a battle scene than we've seen in star wars before like i think we'll stick with the bomber quite a bit during this part of the movie to really build up Paige and Rose's relationship to the point where Paige's tragic death is, you know, like all that better for building Rose's character very quickly. Hmm. Cool. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a little tidbit that I don't think is going to be in the film at all, which is that from the Poe Dameron comic, we've seen that three PO runs a droid spy network. Apparently, prior to the evacuation when the Starkiller base stuff was going on, C three PO told his spy network to lie low which might be why there's no involvement with them in the Canto Bite sequences. Just a guess. Mm -hmm. Whether or not that's going to get explained in any expanded media, I'm not sure. So, I will say 3PO as a spy master is something that I didn't realize that I wanted so bad. <laughs> it's so great. He's like, he's yeah. the best because he's just, he's really good at his job, but you'd never suspect it because his personality, he's programmed so weird. Uh-huh. So the fleet command, as they're evacuating, is distributed across four ships. Uh, Vice Admiral Jotis uh, runs the Virgil, which is a cargo frigate. Vice Admiral uh, Resdox runs the uh, Anadine, which is a repurposed Return of the Jedi-era frigate. Vice Admiral Haldo, Laura Dern's character, runs the Ninka, 
which is a cruiser slash bunker buster, and Admiral Akbar and Leia are both in the Radis. Now, um, apparently Poe, according to the Visual Dictionary, antagonizes Hux at some point. Deliberately, it says deliberately mispronounces Hux's name in a broad frequency address to both fleets. Is it gonna be? Is he gonna be Fux? I'm telling you, this is a no. It's I don't think so, but it's gonna be a make or break moment for me. This movie, like honestly, if he if he if he calls him General Sucks, I'm walking out of this theater. No, you're not. I honestly, I I hate that sort of like out of the universe like English language humor. Like I I don't know. It just it just seems so. It's too familiar. Like this is supposed to be a galaxy far, far away. I really don't want Poe calling him General Sucks. Well, what, what, it's, it's. I think it's weird that you guys both immediately jumped to that because when I first read the description, I thought of General Hacks. Like, oh, General Hacks. Like, like he, like he mispronounces it and pretends that it's not obvious to him. Like, oh, you gotta bet, get rid. You know, stop listening to General Hacks and like it's Hucks. And he goes, that's what he said, Hacks. You know, like not. You know what I mean? Like more, more like he's playing dumb as opposed to just saying an insult to replace it. I don't know. It's too, it's too Mal Reynolds for my, for my star Wars. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I think it's probably going to be general sucks and uh, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe general fucks. I don't know <laughs> if they really want. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently. I asked mint mobile's legal team. If big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation, they said, yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Remember the deleted scene from Force Awakens. Han, you know, and, and Finn... When, you know, they try to arrest them for Supreme Leader Snoke and he's like, Supreme Leader Smoke, <laughs> you know, that guy, you know, like, I don't know who Smoke is. I've never heard of him. You heard of him? And Finn's like, no, I've never heard of Smoke. Like they're making jokes about the guy who seduced his son to the dark side. Like, it's just so it's terrible. It's awful. Yeah, very bad. But, you know, I don't think this would be bad. I don't think it would actually be bad if he did that. I mean, because you just got to assume, you, hey, I know they're actually speaking whatever the fuck basic is, but, you know, they will. It's not like that kind of humor will be evasive to them. We just wouldn't be able to understand it. Like, there's got to come I a also, point where we can grant exceptions. Well, I also don't like what it does for, um, like, you know, Star Wars is a global phenomenon. And when you start putting English language jokes, that usually alienates, like, other audiences. Well, that's a very practical concern. I mean, it is, you're right. It is a very international thing. Ah. Maybe we can do an entire episode on the way it translates to other languages, what they decided to do. 
I think we'd have to do a lot more research than we're prepared to do. I'd love to. I'd love to explore that. I'd love to hear what you know, like how this translates to Cantonese. But yeah. <laughs> um. So we've seen in some of these trailers that Poe has some kind of crazy booster on his X-wing. It's a temporary accelerator pod to give it sublight boosts. I don't know why he has that yet. And Leia is worried about Poe's ego affecting his leadership skills. I mean, he does talk a big game. He's like a superhuman pilot. Um, and he also disregards Leia's orders. So in the film, Leia's going to demote him from wing commander to squadron leader. And uh, meanwhile, Finn is in a medically induced coma. Uh, he, uh, he wakes up in the middle of the resistance fleeing the First Order. And his first words is, uh, is shouting Ray's name. And he staggers out of the medical suite, uh, leaking synthetic Bacta. Um, so this is, I mean, all this happening, like, like Poe being insubordinate and getting demoted and, or maybe like, maybe he's demoted afterwards, but that doesn't, yeah, it makes more sense to be demoted beforehand. So they're evacuating. The fleet comes in. This is, this sequence is going to be insane. There's so much happening. I haven't even finished it yet. Um, for example, uh, Kylo fires a volley of torpedoes that destroys the Radis' hangar bay but finds he cannot open fire on the warship's vulnerable bridge, a decision that is ultimately taken from him by a less conflicted wingmate. The It says another part, the First Order's attack on the Radis results in the destruction of the ship's primary command deck. The bridge crew suffers horrendous casualties, and Leia Organa is incapacitated by exposure to the vacuum of space. This is a rumor we've had for a long time, that something would happen to Leia, that she'd be incapacitated, and then someone would take her place that would be kind of a, a, in a villain role or a nemesis, and that would be Admiral Haldo. Now, I think the villain and nemesis thing was, was played up due to misunderstanding. I don't think that's the, actually the arc of the character, but people won't trust her, and audiences won't trust her. Right. So, the, when the bridge is destroyed, operations move to the battle bridge, which is beneath the prow, but the bridge is destroyed. We're hearing all this stuff about Leia being injured, taken to probably a private med bay because they mentioned that she has a private med bay. Um, and she has to recover because we see her in scenes on crate in the trailers, unless those are fabricated somehow. But something that's not mentioned is Admiral Akbar. So we used to thinking he's going to die. Yeah, I mean, there's I, 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 I think everybody needs to steal themselves for that because I think it's definitely going to happen. And they've and one thing that really emphasizes this is with the the ebb and flow of focal points for the expanded content of the universe. Mm-hmm. They have played up Akbar's role as a hero of the rebellion so much lately. They really have. There's um there's a backup story in the Tales from Wild Space section of the Star Wars Adventures All Ages thing where this kid's thinking about like the great heroes of the rebellion, you know Leia, Luke, and Admiral Akbar. And uh, well, you were reading something, Matt, with the with some some praise for Akbar. Yeah, in in the Join the Resistance series, the main character mentions that like he refers to Akbar as the greatest hero of the rebellion. Um, and then in the beginning of the Legends of Luke Skywalker book, there's some people around the table discussing uh, their theories that Akbar is actually a is a droid that was built by the Republic in, or the, the rebellion in order to have a, <laughs> a, a handsome figurehead 
at the head of the rebellion. You know, someone <laughs> that people can rally behind because he's way more handsome than the human uh, leaders of the rebellion. And everyone kind of agrees, like, while they think the theory is, is ridiculous, they do all agree, like, well, yeah, Akbar is the strikingly handsome devil that you would want to fight for. I love it so much. So it, they're really positioning Akbar as, like, the figurehead of the Alliance. Yeah, and so I mean, crippling blows left and right. If they lose Akbar in this, and I'm, I'm, I feel like we've gotten very good at reading the Star Wars tea leaves. He's gonna die here, and that's yeah. And and you know, as let let's be honest, like for all those right now that are listening, thinking like, no, there's no way that's gonna happen. I can't, I can't believe that. How is it that Vice Admiral Holdo, a Vice Admiral, is being positioned to become the person who takes over when Leia's knocked out of commission? Like a vice admiral isn't over, you know, a full admiral. So something ha- has to happen to Akbar. And I don't think they're going to put both in a coma. I think they're going to kill Akbar. Yeah. Man, it's, uh, it's rough. So. Just hope he goes out in a blaze of glory. He fucking better. He better. Man's a goddamn hero. And super handsome. It, it, gorgeous. God, gorgeous. So he needs to set a trap somehow. That's how he does it. He's, <laughs> he's the bait. He's the bait for the first order. He sets a trap. He straps a couple like, bombs on right. him. And he's on the, the the he like crashes in the front of a Tie Fighter and rides it into the Supremacy and explodes a hangar bay. Yeah, and then well he he rides a shuttle into the Supremacy and they're like surround the shuttle. They surround it and they're like it's Admiral Akbar. He opens up the hatch. He steps up and goes ha, it was a trap. <laughs> the whole thing blows. <laughs> Thereby giving them enough time to escape. Now Doug, I got a question for you though. If that actually happened. Would you groan and think it was pandering, or would you think it was fucking rad? <laughs> to be honest, it all depends on how they how they pull it off. <laughs> it would depend on the attitude and everything. Now, because if, if he says it was a trap, wink, and then it blows up, that's very different than 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 him going on a suicide mission saying I'll set a trap and then whatever. So delicate, it's a fine line. <laughs> Matt, you have some perspective on Haldo thanks to reading the Princess Leia book. Oh, yeah. I, I actually, uh, like a lot of people, um, kind of misinterpreted Holdo, at least, you know, the role that they were, basically that she was untrustworthy, uh, villainous, and that sort of like, you know, a leader that doesn't understand, you know, what her, her soldiers want was going to be sort of a foil to what Poe is trying to accomplish. Um, I don't know if I ever thought she'd be evil, not that she was ever working with the First Order or anything like that, but maybe like, just sort of that... Um, uh, for the Potter fans out there, that sort of like Dolores Umbridge type character, you know, just like a, a government lackey that just kind of stifles what the heroes are trying to accomplish. But I have to say, after reading the the Leia book, she's definitely not, at least at at that age of them all being 16, she is not even foreshadowed to be that way at all. She's very much Leia's friend, very much into what the rebellion is trying to accomplish. She hates the Empire. Um, she's very... Uh, you know, as we discussed last week, very sort of um, eccentric and uh, very much an individual and very unique and flamboyant and like all these fun things. And the, I think the better indication of where her character is going from that book is a thought that Leia has in the book, which is that, quote, by now she genuinely liked Amelyn, Holdo's first name, and believed her to have noble ideals, but the girl seemed highly unlikely to be useful in a crisis situation. So I think that might be, she may be something, someone that is incapable of action, perhaps. 
and Poe might need to step up to become the leader that Leia wants him to be. So I think she acts as a foil to Poe in that way, not necessarily in a insidious fashion. Yeah. Well, well what I read about in the Visual Dictionary is that uh, Poe uh, finds her command style secretive and off-putting, so he conspires against her and builds a resistance within the resistance, which is made of Finn, Rose, someone named Kadel Connix, no idea who that is, and 3PO. So we'll pick up that thread on Canto Bite, but first we got to divert to Octo, where if comes in the sequence after the death of Admiral Akbar and Leia being put in the hospital, like, God, wow. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> this movie's going to be crazy. Um, we speculated in our prior episode that maybe Luke would be the one responsible for the destruction of the Jedi Temple. Um, however, uh, it reads in the Visual Dictionary, when he found it ablaze. So, I guess not. That map that I mentioned earlier... That has a couple dotted lines on it showing movement from place to place and pertain pertaining to the most recent trilogy. According to the map, Luke departed an unnamed location, which is presumably the temple. It's near Kishik in the map. Then he stopped at Kishik, the only stop he made, because from there he went directly to Octo. So, I uh, the stopping on Kishik or Kashik or however you say it. Um, was I don't know what to make of that. I'm curious if maybe Chewie knows more than he's letting on or if Chewie's even been back home ever. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Uh, like, what What could that mean? I don't know. Nothing, maybe. Octo is known by many names in ancient legends. So since the legends are what's referred, you know, what they call past Star Wars continuity, I'm wondering if maybe... They're implying that Octo has been mentioned before. There's other sacred locations that could have been... I don't know, Matt, are you familiar with anything that would like be like Octo, like a home of the first Jedi or founding place of the Order that they would be... Uh, Tython. That was the original uh, expanded universe origin of the Jedi. Um, it was featured in Old Republic, um, which, Doug, you're also familiar with. Yeah, but Tython um, is way... Even in the time of the Old Republic, it's, it's way far advanced so yes yes for sure or something and you know they 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 put comics um i think just i i don't i i feel like that was just a throwaway thing i don't know if they're trying to say it's tython or anything like that i think it was just to appease it's a very strange thing they're doing as i've I've mentioned before like the only material that marvel skipped over reprinting in this legends epic collection and not all of it's out yet but like they've been going chronologically in each era is they did not re-release any of the Dawn of the Jedi or Tales of the Jedi series. And those, because those heavily deal with the origins of the Jedi and the Jedi Sith conflict respectively. So I think they're just trying to avoid confusion by putting that back in print. I mean, you can still obtain it, but you can't, you just can't obtain it by anything that like in any sort of like big, um, like omnibus. So, yeah, I, I don't know if I, I thought that was strange. That's known by many different names, but I don't. I don't think they're trying to directly link to anything. Hmm. Yeah, even though I would hope for it to be the Ricotta Prime <laughs> or something, <laughs> uh, something along those lines. But no, it's. Uh, I, I, I think. I think when they mean legends, they just mean like Luke Skywalker. I thought he was a myth. You know, he was a legend. You know, 
I don't right. think they mean anything more by it. Do you think we can speculate that at the Star Wars Resort, there's going to be an entree called Ricotta Prime? <laughs> That's good. I would order that. I hope you're listening, Disney. <laughs> I would fucking eat the shit out of a Ricotta Prime. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luke's search for Jedi lore led him to uncovering many lost relics, which he collected and brought and and brought with him to Octo. Key to finding the island itself was studying the spread of Uentai saplings, a rare type of tree that is sensitive in its own way to the Force. He found Octo with Lor Senteca. So this shit has to happen, I mean, I guess before, it happens before the Poe Dameron comic. And, of course, there's the Force trees there, so we know some of that. So Force tree being on Octo basically confirmed. To what end? I don't know. I'm not even sure they knew when they first came up with the Force Tree, oh, way back when. Yeah, I don't know what their what their goal was. It's so weird that it. I mean, because there there it was, right? Um, Shattered Empire, the the first post Jedi thing in the new continuity, and the only thing of significance mm-hmm. we got out of it was Luke's got some Force Trees, and it had nothing to do with the last, with the uh, Force Awakens. So, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, the planet shares a mysterious quality with forced-infused locales like Dagobah and Mortis. And I had to look up Mortis. I didn't know what that was. Then I was like, oh, that place. Uh-huh. Craziest freaking episodes of Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about these at length in prior episodes of State of the Empire, but I don't even know what the short version of that looks like. But it's kind of like this book just said, like Dagobah, or an alternate reality plane where the force is manifested as deities. <laughs> yeah. So that's a loaded statement. That could that's Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that that one's not just loaded, it's like overflowing. <laughs> Despite living on an island drenched in the force, Luke has cut off all connection to the mystical energy field. Um which is I mean, what? I when I read that I was like, you got to be kidding me. What how does, what does that mean? Um, but what it means, in at least in the short term, is therefore Luke was unaware of the fate that befell Han Solo, and news of the disaster that has befallen the galaxy shocks him out of isolation. To make matters even more confusing, not only has Luke given up the Force for who knows how many years, but we see him at the end of uh, The Force Awakens in ceremonial Jedi robes, and then we see him in much of the trailers for this movie in like cool old man hermit robes that are kind of darker. Apparently Luke's donning of ceremonial robes is not an indication of a return to faith. Rather Luke sees it as a last rite to end the order. So does that mean that Ray showed up at exactly the moment when Luke was like, all right, I'm putting on these robes for like some kind of ritual to sever the Jedi's once and for all. Like that's weird. That's really weird. Yeah, I'm not interested in any uh, coincidental plot points that were only there because they didn't like the costume that they saw him in at the end of Force Awakens. Well, I mean, they moved they moved Kylo Scar, so you know Very they'll true. just kind of they'll arbitrarily make these decisions just based on looks. Yeah, it's and- like putting poison you know putting poison plants in the visitor center because they look good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see what you did. <laughs> 
Um, and apparently when, when Ray gives him this lightsaber, he's going to toss it aside, hoping to lose it once more. His Dude, th- it, it, would, it would be so cool if she hands it to him. He looks at it. He's like, where did you get this? And she's like, ah, whatever. And he goes, I don't want this. And he just turns and throws it off the edge of the island, like right where he was standing when we, when we, when we ended the movie. <laughs> His studies reveal the cyclical nature of the struggle between light and dark and the massive toll the galaxy pays with each cycle. So more more clues pointing to, you know, to th- the balance here, like whatever they tell us, whatever bomb they drop about the nature of the force and what's going to what that's going to mean going forward. It's going to reshape Star Wars and how we perceive Star Wars. And only because we've been paying such close attention to the narrative threads they've been spinning across all this different media are us folks and you folks listening anywhere near prepared for this. Because it's going to I mean, just think about everybody who's not familiar with at least even cursory the things that have been happening in the Star Wars expanded universe right now we have a kind of understanding it's been coaching us towards an understanding and but this is going to be like the biggest fucking record scratch when this happens in theaters for most people um that crashed x-wing we mentioned before that's a real thing um luke actually salvaged a wing to use as a door on his hut so yeah he he either on purpose or unintentionally crashed his x-wing so he was always stranded here and then uh that necklace the uh uh, that we talked about earlier, that which was actually the um, the thing that came with that action figure that had like some kind of device with a kyber crystal in it. We we're like, what the fuck is that? We've seen that in great detail now in the Visual Dictionary. It is a Sith kyber crystal, but it's a recovered Jedi Crusader pendant, and the crystal is a trophy, apparently. Hmm. So I don't know if there were any Jedi Crusades, but there were Jedi Crusaders, I guess. You know. It, romping through the galaxy killing sith and this is a like i guess a sith lightsaber trophy allegedly i don't know if i believe it even though it's stated pretty clearly in the visual dictionary ray has had visions of the island or at least a place very much like it having grown up on jakku she found escape through dreams of being surrounded by water and she's drawn to a, pla- a location on the island called Mirror Cave, a sea cave where the dark side festers. She visits the cave on her own, and within, her fears and insecurities about her parents and the reasons why she was abandoned on Jakku manifest themselves. I don't know you know, how much more we're going to get about that. I feel like they might actually be saving the Who is Ray for the next film, which sucks because then that means JJ's doing it. <laughs> now let's move over to Snoke. I assume we'll be cutting back to Snoke at some points and him talking to Kylo Ren. For example, uh, Snoke's berating punishments weigh on Kylo, opening hidden emotional wounds, not like he didn't have enough already, um, just as his physical ones are healing. Solo's warning that Snoke is only using him for his power echoes through Kylo's mind. With ambition fueled by the dark side, Kylo prioritizes his own survival and ultimate ascension. What ultimate ascension means, uh, I I have no idea. Um... But I sense great conflict in him. But that's too bad because you killed your dad and I liked your dad, so fuck you. Now, set into the floor of an Octo Temple is something that's been moving around in the Star Wars spoiler circles. There's a ancient mosaic. According to the caretakers, it's an image of the Prime Jedi, the first of the Order. This could be interpreted as kind of a bulbous-headed individual. So... People are thinking Snoke is the first Jedi. We've already been told that Snoke is powerful on the dark side of the Force, but he's not Sith. It, I suppose it's possible. It's a very interesting thought. I actually personally quite like it, but 
it, it's weird though, right? It's, it's weird. It's weird that someone who's an ex Jedi would become the head of like the thing taking Palpatine's like imperial place. That's a weird move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it requires some explanation, obviously, but. You know. Also, like, where's he been for the past billion years? You know, <laughs> like, if this isn't like two thousand years ago. This is like millions of years ago, like thousands, thousands of generations, not thousands of years, thousands of generations. And that's just when when the Jedi were guardians of the Republic. I'm sure the Jedi has existed before the Republic. It's yeah, it's loaded. It's a reasonable theory. We'll link to where you can see this image. Well, well, actually, we're I didn't mention this before, but we'll link to where you can see all these. Uh, visual dictionary images on this episode's page um and this one in particular it's a weird thing it's a very weird thing um and snoke he's a weird guy those attendants that we mentioned earlier the attendants are this took me by surprise i could not have expected this weirdness they're tall purple robed alien navigators who originated in the unknown regions of space were it not for the ancient hyperspace trails blazed by these towering servants, the Imperial survivors who fled into, un into this uncharted realm would certainly have perished. These navigators designed and operate the Oculus viewing scope in Snoke's throne room. I don't know what that is. They didn't go into it. It just says that. They have enlarged brains that can process multidimensional calculations, but have weak eyes, so they wear amplification lenses. Their robes and masks totally cover them, but according to the weird little details of the Visual Dictionary, underneath the robes are chitinous plates. So, big aliens, probably comparable in size to Snoke, but he doesn't look chitinous, um, who are from the Unknown Regions, who are for some reason servants and helped Imperial survivors who fled to the, the Uncharted Space Realms, and are working for these dudes. I don't know how it works. Are they slaves? Are they just weird? Well, they're definitely just weird. They're definitely weird. Matt, how much do we actually know about Uncharted Space? I mean, like, what do we what do we know? It, you know, it's it's weird. It, I'm sorry to realize that like my understanding of the galaxy is a lot more different than what it used to be pre Disney because like this Adventures in Wild Space series makes Wild Space sound like a completely untracked area of space that like like the main plot is going after. Um, kids that have like hyperspace route maps that the empire wants as if like the galaxy isn't that charted. Like basically the old days, it used to just be essentially the unknown regions, which were on like galactic West. It was just this big block West of the core that was just unknown. Like most of civilization was galactic East and, and you know, North and South. And now like, but it doesn't make any sense to me with, cause it's still the same map. Disney's still using the same map, but yet, you know, I was watching Attack the Clones last night and Dexter Jetster is freely, you know, saying that, like, you know, the Kaminoans live out, you know, beyond the Outer Rim. You know, he's referring to beyond the Outer Rim, which there really isn't anything beyond the Outer Rim, like, at least other than the Unknown Regions, but Kamino's not in those. It just seems like everything had been mapped for the most part. I mean, obviously planets get, like, you know lost in between but it wasn't like huge regions of uncharted space there was just one big one so i <laughs> long-winded explanation for me to say i don't know shit <laughs> i don't know i can't figure it out anymore well okay maybe we'll get some more in this film or maybe we'll just have creepy stuff in the background that 
will someday be partially explained by an expanded universe story. Right. I don't know. It's, it's definitely a very strange thing to have something like this in the background. So, back to the actual, like, plot of the film. Finn and Rose's mission from Poe is to thwart the First Order's hyperspace tracker and uncover what Haldo is keeping from Poe. We got a little bit of detail about Rose. Um, her world, Hayes Minor, is outside the New Republic's policing, and the First Order tested its weapons on them and stole kids to become stormtroopers, um, which is likely something that's highlighted in the upcoming uh, Forces of Destiny comic series that will focus on her and Paige. Weirdly, she has uh, a ring also, and this has a rebellion crest on it. It's a senatorial ring, as in used by senators to, sh to it flips over to show secret allegiance to the rebellion. Why she has it when she's from, um, you know, a world outside the New Republic's policing, I have no idea. A very strange accessory for her to have. Um, pretty cool, though. So back to Canto Bite. Rose has her has made this transport it's been modified it's a pod it can leave the fleet without being detected um you see it briefly in the world of the last jedi video going through hyperspace um there's a, a dude on canto bite called slow and low who's made a fortune selling driftwood <laughs> sculptures and now owns a beachside residence he's concerned about a shuttle seemingly abandoned on the beach and reports it to the canto bite pd which is a prime example of how the details of this movie reveal itself when you piece all these weird little things from the visual dictionary together in a sequence. That's a bit of the plot stuff, but here's a little bit of stuff worth speculating on. I don't know what this means, but there's a game machine unit thing, like a, like intergalactic slot machines that looks like a BB unit. And I don't know why it would have such a striking resemblance, but also BB-8 isn't on this mission as far as I know. He might be. And if so, is he going to masquerade as a pachinko machine? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, they mentioned that Canto Bight has immense underground parking zones, which make for discreet meeting places for shadowy deals and information exchanges. Could be a movie thing. Could be a book thing. I'm not sure. We mentioned when uh, we, were, we were getting all the, the leaks coming in from them filming on location that when they were in Dubrovnik, they were filming something on boats. And there is, I don't know what they're going to show from the film out there, but there there is a scene on a boat because there's, there's a still from like a boat covered with aliens, um, particularly one boat uh, called the Undisputed Victor, captained by Baron Yasso, Yatso Atman. Um, it points out, and this is highlighted by a still, the Baron's attempts to woo nightclub owner Ubiala Gel Gahil meet with little success. Is it is it book flavor or is it movie flavor? Still don't know, but this could be, you know, neat. Tales of the Cantina kind of stuff. Yeah. So DJ purposely arranges his arrest. The jail is the only place he can grab some sleep without, with the assurance that he won't be pestered by the Canto Bight Police Department. And he steals the star yacht, the Libertine, in order to depart from Cantonica, uh, the planet that Canto Bight's on. Uh, inside its data banks, he finds a catalog of starfighters for sale, which I think might if he ends up actually like helping the rebellion and not betraying, like I mean, obviously he's don't join, so he's not helping anybody but himself. But if if he doesn't end up betraying Finn and Rose, um, maybe these starfighters will be useful because the rebellion will be in such a bad way and they need to bring ships to help win the on crate. But I think that that was one small throwaway line about like what 
this ship the Libertine has on it. And I think that's probably the most important part is that there's these uh, catalog of starfighters for sale. Maybe that has something to do with the DJ like one-off comic. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Now on Crate, Crate is Leia and Holdo's secret endgame, hunkering down on a former rebel world that has fallen off most modern star charts. There's a comic spoiler for Acker and Blacker's Storms of Crate one-shot coming in January. I mean, like, it just straight up like tells you how it ends. The Rebellion hastily abandoned Crate during the base's construction when a traitorous ally alerted an elite Imperial unit, Scar Squadron, to their location. Scar Squadron from Jason Aaron's Star Wars run. Sounds like it's going to be cool. <laughs> kind of really surprised that they, you know, the book isn't coming out till January, and they're just like, here's the end of it. Right. With the fleet exhausted of fuel by the lengthy pursuit, the surviving Resistance crew brave landing on Crate with the First Order still at their heels. Now numbering only in dozens, the evacuees must bravely stay. I don't know if dozens of ships or must not be. It couldn't be dozens of people. That's ridiculous. Um, it, it's it, it's also starting to fit in with some of like the spoilers that I'm not happy about. So mm. I think that is accurate. Oh. Now the numbering only in dozens, the evacuees must... Wait, ships or people? People? Probably people. Jesus. The evacuees must bravely stage a holding action long enough for Leia's distress call to be answered. Though their position is fortified, it is clear this may be their last stand. The dramatic escape to Crate's surface uses resistance transports, which are old but updated designs of the transports from The Empire Strikes Back, which is like to make... To make these comparisons to the Battle of Hoth worse, here come the the rebels in, you know, not leaving this, the, the planet, but going to the planet in basically the same transports. And then, as the book says, proving the cyclical nature of history, the Battle of Crate recasts ancient siege tactics with modern battlefield technology. Now, that's true. When they say ancient, they do mean ancient. There are actually some cool things I'm about to describe that sound a lot more like medieval techniques, but... Um, the cyclical nature of history, I feel, is that this looks an awful lot like The Empire Strikes Back. Um, I'd say it's more the poetic nature of history. Oh, thanks, as George. To the, <laughs> <laughs> um, the ATM6, the big, weird-looking walkers, um, they have these the front legs they do that are like super thick, like a gorilla, uh, to give it resistance when firing the huge turbo blasters on its back. So the idea is that the the rebels are totally fortified. And um, they have to use these huge weapons to be like battering rams to get in. Um, the First Order walkers assemble in classic Veers formation. So the, the, the comparisons keep coming. However, Anthony Bresnikan did say on Twitter, Don't worry, despite a few surface similarities, The Last Jedi has a radically different structure from The Empire Strikes Back and every other Star Wars movie. Not buying it right now. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah, in in this version, the Hoth battle happens at the end. Yeah, yeah, and the the Jedi training <laughs> happens at the beginning. See, it's different. I like it actually. If you if you take the like post uh, Starkiller base stuff and put uh, in Force Awakens, and you put that at the beginning of this movie, you could see it as a reverse Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, instead of escaping Cloud City, they escape the Rebel base. Yeah, you know, the, the characters split off from there and then rejoin at the end. Like, So you're saying that Episode Nine is going to be A New Hope. And that we just actually, like, we were comparing A New Hope to, or A New Hope and The Force Awakens, but really we should have been comparing The Force Awakens and Return of the Jedi? 
Uh, I think I think what Matt is saying is that ring theory is real. Yeah, and we'll prove it. Always. I'm 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 super I'm super into ring theory, and I don't think I've ever been more sarcastic in my life. <laughs> <laughs> To penetrate the resistance defenses, the First Order airlifts a massive super laser, super laser siege cannon to create surface. Towed by tug walkers, the enormous 200-meter-long weapon is a piece of miniaturized Death Star technology. A fiery tracer beam creates a path along which devastating pulse, a devastating pulse travels towards the target, detonating with terrifying impact. The cannon requires time to charge up between blasts. How, uh, however, during which time it is vulnerable, necessitating escort walkers and air support. So there's the tug walkers. There's which I which might be the um, the AT the thing that in, is in Star Tours. Yes, in the background, and also the uh, ATHH is what it's called, all terrain heavy hauler, which uh, pulls the siege cannon across the battlefield. Uh-huh. And what's interesting about the design is it's actually a complex arrangement of crowded redundancy limbs that increase its resistance to battle damage. So it's got a bunch of legs all stacked in front of the other, so you can put, blast off legs in the front, but there's still legs going. It's like a weird little crab. I don't think that is what I saw in Sartors then, because that was just like a big, like almost like squarish block. Or yeah, maybe like no, a... that's what it is. Oh, is it? it looks like a okay. big squarish then... block. All the yeah, legs then... are stacked together. Yeah, I wonder, it, it may even use the technology that they kind of get into in the Battlefront campaign. There's like satellites that seem to be like mini Death Star lasers. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Kylo Ren's dogged pursuit of the Resistance leads him to Crate, where at last his hunger to deliver vengeance by lightsaber may be sated. Guys, I've heard of the need to like individuate and separate from your parents in order to grow up, but I think he's really taking it to another level. <laughs> This is an engagement he hopes will spell the end of the hated resistance. However, Kylo lets his emotions, the source of his power, cloud his tactical reasoning. We don't know what that means. Nope. Now, Rey and Leia both wear S-thread transmitter bracelets, something that Leia gave Rey um, in The Force Awakens. I don't know if it happened on screen, but uh, it's a thing. So they have these bracelets that so mm. Leia can follow Leia back to the resistance once she gets to Luke. So wherever they are, no matter how hidden they are, they've got a one-to-one connection she can trace back. Good plot device, sure. Um, Ray finally gets a chance to be the, a, uh, a gunner in the Falcon's uh, ventral turret, which I would say means nothing except that on Ray's page, like the page just for Ray, inexplicably it showcases the Millennium Falcon, Millennium Falcon escape pod, which could potentially suggest that in a, the Falcon might also die in this film. I can't imagine them, you know, killing a signature vehicle, but I don't know why the fuck they'd highlight an escape pod. We should never see that. You think Chewie would go down with the Falcon? No, I, I've I've seen I've seen suggested spoilers that it's just a way for Chewie to continue fighting, but also you know in in the skies, but you know the, keeping this fight in the skies, taking this fight to the skies. Hell yeah. And uh, <laughs> while Ray is able to join the ground troops. Okay. As Ray's ability increases, so does a strange, seemingly unprecedented connection to the Force that spans across the galaxy to unite Kylo, Ren, and Ray. The bond is powerful and gives Ray insights into Ren that not even Skywalker can see. It also says at other points in the book, Kylo cannot deny the bond they share in the Force. And 
As Rey delves deeper into the knowledge of the Force, its enormity overwhelms her. She empathizes with what younger students like Ben Solo must have faced. I hate this. I, I don't want to see, if this is implying, like, any kind of humanizing of Kylo Ren, I mean, he killed Han Solo. He, that's all there is to it. He killed Han Solo. He killed his dad. There, there can be no redemption. But wouldn't, that be, but wouldn't that be impressive if they could pull that off, like, convincingly? Obviously convincingly. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't either. I don't know if but I've ever what, seen what, that what, what does what does scare me, Cap, and we'll get into it very soon, everything that you're reporting on with this, especially on this side of the blast doors for the visual dictionary, is really fueling these fucking spoilers. <laughs> and I want to point out, what Matt knows here, he has not shared with either of us. We don't know. So he's going to unload momentarily because I've got like a couple things left to say. Um, I'll, which... I'll just, on, the, on the note of Kylo Ren, you got to remember, Darth Vader had a redemption story. And Darth Vader killed way more people. <laughs> you know? So if Darth Vader can have a, a decent redemption story that we think is, is fine and fitting, I'm pretty sure Kylo Ren only killing Han Solo, as shitty as it was, uh, is redeemable. But it, it has to be redeemable in sacrifice. Like, I think it works because Vader dies. Yeah, I feel like what this is saying is they're going to, they're going to, the, the light and the dark have to work together to find something that's like, that's neutral. How can you work with him? How can you work with that? He's awful. Right. It depends on how yeah. guilty he feels about it. Like if he if he like if that was the moment where he has where he can no longer recover, then you know, that could be the thing that spurs him to actually turn around and see that he was totally screwing up. They tried to do this in the expanded universe. They invented the potentium in order to say that dark and light were like not really a thing, that it was just based on like perceived intentions. And like this was the new Jedi Order, and it allowed Jason Solo to like tap in to become like the super chosen one, and basically defeat the Yuuzhan Vong. But the fans hated it so much that they went back on it and was like, "Yeah, he got seduced by an idea that actually was dark side, and he eventually went full Sith." Jeez. So I'm not saying that that's what the intention is here. What I'm saying is that Disney may have gotten this idea of like good guys and bad guys working together but when the fans get upset about it wouldn't be shocked to see them reverse the direction they go in because the fans will not be happy with it yeah gosh well here's here's the last thing i have and this doesn't come from the visual dictionary this comes from a quote from ryan johnson uh that maybe accidentally reveals something that we've we wanted very badly he says we'd very often turn to each other and say this feels like the biggest independent movie of all time which means the process of it felt very intimate. It didn't feel like something different. It felt like what we do. But then once or twice a day, you'd look around and say, and we're filming Luke and Leia in the Millennium Falcon. Or we'd say, that's 3PO in that shot. Does that mean he filmed Luke and Leia in the Falcon? Damn well better. But once again, I don't know if it's what we want to see. Oh, You may think it is, oh. but it's not going to go the way you think. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, then one, one last thing. The premiere happened last night, and who was there but all of the voices rumored for the Force Cave? Hayden Christensen, Frank Oz, and Ewan McGregor, all of them were there. So I'm pretty sure that Force Cave thing is legit. Matt, it's your turn <laughs> to, okay. uh, to fill us with doubt. So as, I, as I've mentioned, I've gone a little sagrera on this. Is this a search your feelings, you know it's true, or is this lies, deceptions, everyday more lies? <laughs> 
So there's there's a scale there, and you got to figure out where this all goes. So I want to give a little backstory on how this has been going down because it is tearing Star Wars spoiler fans apart because nothing is coming. Like it's getting like downvoted into not not into not downvoted into oblivion like on Reddit, for instance, but like it's still sitting at zero. The mods labeled it fake, but nothing, everything that keeps coming out from other sources, whether it's like Tumblr, Twitter, everything else is either doing a really good job piggybacking without just copy pasting or is, or it's true. And, and it's just like devastating. I mean, people don't sound happy about it, which sort of, fits in with what Bresnikin said about more powerful than you possibly imagine. And also people saying that like there'll be some divisive things for the hardcore fans. But anyways, a guy from a forum board about uh, it's like a film fan board, the RPF. And I think it mostly is about props and costumes and things like that. A guy with that has been a board member for like a forum member for like six years and is a legitimate forum member uh, came out with some very simple uh, breakdown of spoilers that I will give you now. Kylo kills Snoke. Kylo is bad guy and remains dark at end. Rey is the last Jedi at end and does not turn dark. Leia lives till end. Luke dies at end. Yoda convinces Luke to train Rey. Resistance is in disarray at end. Lots of humor that some fans will hate. Wait, hold on. That's what you've been sitting on this whole time? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. So people are continually going, asking him further questions. And I'm not going to read you the questions because he usually does like a good job of like providing context as his answers that you know what he's talking about. Leading up to finally, the thing that I always look for is don't just give me the highlights. Give me the breakdown of the movie. I always think you need to start with that if you want to be a legit spoiler person. Like don't just come in and give me like what happens at the end. Like that's easy. So I'll give you the things he said in between until finally he decided to break it down. All right, he said, no melted Vader helmet, no Kylo helmet after he smashes it, didn't notice any new lightsabers, Ray's lightsabers destroyed, Kylo and Ray team up for a Return of the Jedi moment, and Ray refuses to turn dark, Luke dies in a different way, his life force is drained from him, need to watch. Ray's parents are junk dealers and left her. She is no one really, just strong in the force. Starts with a big space battle and resistance being tracked by First Order, movie leaves door open for number nine to go anywhere it wants, Phasma dies. Luke fights Kylo in a scene where his life force is drained. This will be debated. Hux lives. Porgs and aliens are comic relief. Lots of humor. Might not sit well with some fans. Everyone has story. No one is shortchanged. Yoda is the only force ghost to appear. You know, the like those characters. Uh, no chosen one story. Luke spends half of the movie not wanting to help. Yoda appears and advises him to train Rey. The Jedi story is not complex. Kylo has Moby Dick complex against Luke. Kylo and Rey team up and fight Snoke guards. I forgot. During the space battle, Leia gets blown into space and uses the force to survive and get back on board. Kylo's not the one who shoots at her. Another fighter does it. Leia does not die. JJ will have to solve that. I was expecting something different with Rey and Kylo. I wanted Rey bad at the end and Kylo good. Maybe the next one. Kylo is evil, the true bad guy. Make up your own mind. Everything I told you is true. The deaths don't make it a bad movie at all. It's a good movie. So finally, he comes in with everything. All right. Mm. He's finally tired of answering all these questions. This is what kind of disturbs me because there are things the visual dictionary definitely like fuels where this is going resistance is blown to hell at the beginning there is a plot about tracking to light speed so resistance will not go to light speed the entire movie is first order chasing the resistance finn is dispatched to find out how not to track in light speed he's not a very good writer by the way so i'm kind of reading it in broken english 
Finn and Rose and BB-8 go to go to the casino planet looking for a code cracker to get him on board to disable the tracking device of the First Order. Poe is uh, still hotshot pilot and goes rogue and blows up missile air defenses. Leia is pissed at him and demotes him for going rogue. He causes a mutiny and towards the end of the film, but helps the resistance escape to planet. Luke uses lightsaber in two flashback scenes. Ray leaves Luke and goes to fight Kylo. Humor, porgs are everywhere. Chewbacca accidentally kills one and almost eats one. Three porgs show up with sad eyes and he does not. Battle between Ray and Kylo is not the final battle of the movie. Kylo kills Snoke. Kylo and Ray team up. Ray does not turn. Ray escapes. Ray's lightsaber is destroyed and does not. Ha- she does not have one at the end. Final battles between Luke and Kylo, but Luke is still on Acto and projecting his image and never leaves Acto. He has so much force power to project himself, but he dies at the end because his force is drained. Luke does talk to Leia, but it's his projected image. Kylo is super evil at the end. Luke should have killed him when he had a chance at the Academy, or will he be redeemed in 9? Movie ends with everyone on the Falcon reunited. Rey, Leia, Poe, Finn, R2, Chewbacca, BB-8. Resistance is really done. Rey does not have lightsaber at the end, but can retrieve Luke's on Acto. Also, movie ends with Leia alive, so 9 should have been her movie most likely converting Kylo back to the good side. Not sure where they're going to go with it now. Rey is the new Jedi at the end, and Kylo is the Darth Vader bad guy at the end. Kylo says those quotes about the past has gone many times in the movie, but so does Luke, which I thought was interesting. Taking that in, the thing is, is when I read it, I mean, I'm the first one. Like, I spent hours going, this is, I don't like this. This is stupid. Like, you know, what about this? What about that? I can't find the source cap at the moment. We probably need to. But apparently there was a children's book just released recently that says that the reason why Luke does agree to train Ray is R2 shows him the help me Obi-Wan Kenobi hologram. Oh, wow. So everybody, everybody asked him about that. And he said, yes, that's in the movie, but he still goes off and is refusing the call. But then Yoda talks to him and makes him come to the call. So I don't know if that's him backtracking or not. The thing is, is all these other sources, Twitter, some other people on Reddit, Tumblr, like other areas, some things being said on, on, you know, by critics and things like that are starting to corroborate what we're seeing. I mean, he goes on the further talk, which is crazy before I even knew about the blue milk aliens. Like he did actually write giant sloth creatures with breasts that create blue milk from Star Wars and New Hope and Rogue One was disgusting. The fans will go nuts. But Ryan was seriously smoking some pot when he wrote this scene. It's gross, you know, but I guess all all milk in the galaxy is blue. Well, so he says, yes, Luke drinks it after milking sloths. Well, I guess that guy needs to get his eyeballs looked at because the visual dictionary, visual dictionary says it's green milk. I wonder if... uh... I mean, maybe, I mean, that, that might be the, the thing that like can catch him on. I don't know. It, it's my thing is like, no matter what he says, it's not going to disprove anything. I'm waiting for someone else to say something online that doesn't mess with this and doesn't mesh with this. But everything I've been seeing, it's like almost like five different sources somehow all got together and are basically saying the same thing, but not saying it in the same way. Which makes me feel like it's legit. Uh, yeah, Matt. I mean, based on absolutely everything that we've encountered so far, I I can't see any reason to refute this. Right. Also, the Visual oddly- Dictionary keeps on throwing it. Like, I mean, it's just and and going back to we referenced earlier from a certain point of view, Luke or Obi Wan during his fight with Vader. From his perspective, he's reliving his entire life, but reliving is not the right word. He's existing in those moments, like as he's becoming one with the Force. 
he's starting to exist outside time and he's starting to you know relive his fights during the prequels during clone wars uh important moments watching padme die all these different things and he's also seeing luke on acto in a future he didn't want to happen he's also seeing leia collapse to the console when han dies he sees han fall down the, the chasm on star killer base obi-wan when he becomes one with the force is existing outside of a temporal linear reality ours and i think this projection thing may be an aspect of that that they were planning to go with in the movie and start to to hint in the from a certain point of view book it's weird to me that luke never leaves acto yeah and so that's he gets further on like as he like after he gives that full explanation he continues to answer questions like said, I think Luke being able to project himself across the galaxy is a Lucasfilm, quote, big twist moment in the film, and then he dies. It's sad, but there's still no real Luke battle. Basically, he, he ex- the way he explains it over a couple messages is that he expends the rest of his force energy in life trying to project himself to Crate in the fight. That sounds so dumb. I feel like that's... Doesn't it? Yeah. Well, you got you got to remember before Force Awakens came out, uh, there was a lot of other rumors that ended up not being true. One that I remember was someone asked a person who was supposedly giving a lot of realistic sounding spoilers. Someone asked, uh, "Do Luke and Leia get a? Uh, do they reunite? Is there any like meeting? Do they, do they meet at all in this?" And that person's response was, "Yes, well, not in the way you're expecting." And in other words, not at all. <laughs> so that I... totally didn't happen. Yeah, I, my my intuition about or my my gut is telling me that they're if they are on the Falcon together, I feel it's going to be Force Ghost Luke and Leia on the Falcon at the end of the film. I just don't know the the whole Luke like basically dying because he exerts all of his energy to send a message when a you know a hologram call would have sufficed. Apparently know? he apparently he like. Like he does force powers while projecting. Uh, I just don't know. I mean, it's uh, I'm not going to judge it and say it's bad before I see something, but I can see why if that is legit, why that would be divisive. But right. uh, I don't know. I'm still going in kind of skeptical because why would you why would you have Luke just sit on the island for the whole time only to die when he's projecting himself that, that doesn't doesn't sound like a really good use good use of a character if especially someone, one like luke skywalker if someone right. really wanted to waste their time and run a scam on people for you know a few days um they they could have read the um visual dictionary and had 24 hours to before the premiere to do this they could have sure sure i don't know why anyone would bother but you know why does anybody ever make fake spoilers? I don't know. But but people do it. People write entire fan scripts. Yeah, I. Them, you know, you know. Uh, there's things like, uh, I mean, as I, you know, they really focused in on Phasma for this time around. It's not like I was gonna, I was planning on learning anything, or I did. Well, I didn't think we were gonna get anything about Phasma in this movie on like a background level. But the 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 novel and comic really build her up back from her being like kind of a shitty henchman. Um, and then at first I was like, Oh, Phasma gets defeated. And that's kind of just, eh, you know, whatever. But then 
how I read, he says that Finn beats Phasma, but she falls to her death. There's no more poetic thing for Phasma to die with the world she's from and what she's been through and what she's done to the people from the world she's fallen through than her falling to her death. So it's almost like that works for me. That's what I hate is like, I'm waiting for someone. The worst part is, is most of these spoilers are always really refuted very quickly. And this has now been going around for like, you know, over, over 18 hours. And the only thing that I have going for me is people aren't having Twitter reactions the way I would expect people to have if this was the actual movie, I guess, if that's saying that, that that's saying right. a lot, not knowing if the film's good, you know, maybe, you know, the film is so good that like it, it works really well. Cause I know things on paper aren't the same as they are on film. You know, like a lot of movies sound terrible if you just write out what happens. Um, but I'm waiting. There's got to be someone who says that, like, I'm just stunned and, like, I can't process what I've seen. I don't know if I liked it at the very least. But all right. I've seen is either people negatively saying, like, eh, there's some plot holes and, like, it's kind of average. Or they're going, oh, my God, this movie is, like, everything. Um, Like, as we all is know. Is there anyone corroborating any of these major spoilers or, or, or flat out saying, no, that didn't happen. It was something else? No, nobody has done that yet. That's the crazy thing. Like nobody he, has, but also once again, person. like, yeah, where we just need someone to come out and say it didn't happen that way. Or we need someone to come out and say, like, at least even to corroborate it by saying, like, I'm still in shock about what I saw last night. Like, so just once again, kind of get an idea. Like, so Pat Oswalt, sort of like famous Star Wars fan at this point, based on his, like, I mean, just him, but also that really great, like, Avengers crossover from Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. um, he wrote his review was fun night out, out at the movies last night. The last Jedi is rich, dark, shock, funny, and nonstop. There's a deep pull moment from the canon that will have the diehards losing their shit. And Luke Skywalker is John Wick. Nothing about that tells me that people are, are reeling from his death. Yeah. And if Luke Skywalker is John Wick, then we got to see him to me. That's yeah, like two really... lightsaber stabs to the chest and then to the head on every single stormtrooper. <laughs> well, and, and also, <laughs> and also he has to leave Acto. Otherwise he's not, he's not wickening. So, right. Unless it was like all that flashback stuff at the burning of the Jedi temple. True. One person did say, um, Connor. Wow. I don't know if I can pronounce that. Schwert, Schwert figure of cinema blend. He said, um, there's never been a Star Wars movie like this. It has one of my favorite lightsaber sequences in the history of Star Wars fiction in any medium. Okay. I, I need something to, other than impressions. I will say, if, if, if this really does go down like this and people are having the sort of like, I don't know, I know everybody's reactions coming out of premiere because you want to continue to be invited back to these things. But like, I know everyone's, you know, everyone's really upset when they hear you know, people that see these things early say good things because they think they have to say good things. Like, it's really not that way. Like, they don't have to say anything if they didn't like the movie. Like, they don't stop getting invited to these premieres. The whole point is to keep on getting, like, people talking about it, not necessarily good reviews. We don't, you know, they don't get turned away because they're, you know, negative completely. You know, I don't think there's a whole bunch of people that saw Luke die last night that hate the movie that aren't saying anything about it. Yeah. 
That's weird. I mean, it, that this this summary you found, Matt, really does put us in a very peculiar place for uh, understanding yes. what we're going into. Because uh, honestly, the more you've been talking about the past five minutes or so, the more I'm like, you know, it might actually be totally faked, even though it, it, it mirrored so much from the Visual Dictionary, that would have been really easy to do. And I don't know why um, a Reddit member in good standing would bother to do this, but here we are. And because you're right, how could how could such a thing happen? How could any of those things happen and have people still have these kind of reactions to it? It does seem right. borderline impossible, though, though, I mean, like you said, you can put anything down in bullet points and it sounds terrible until you see the actuality of how it was executed. Mm-hmm. Well, also based on the, the okay, here's the thing, like it's, it, it, this may sound realistic because of, well, it doesn't contradict any of the facts that we know, but couldn't you also say that it wouldn't contradict if I said, no, no guys, I actually really saw the movie and um, Ray kills Snoke. And then uh, uh, Kylo Ren kills Luke in an epic fight scene um on on octo because because uh ray ray stays with the first order and she decides to go bad but kylo ren wants to seek redemption so he goes to octo but luke like dismisses him and says i can't do it because you killed my friend like i could make up my own shit right now thank you so much for saying what you just said because you've you've punched a hole in this thing immediately because we know for a fact that um octo stuff with like kylo and some homeboys was filmed. We know that's a real thing. Like people saw it happen. We have n- number of reports from it. Um, I know, but like, but I just don't. I just don't get it. Of course, now that Octo stuff was that really on Octo, or were they filming flashback day for night Jedi Temple shit? I mean, I guess they could have been doing Jedi Temple shit, except that why? But it, as to my understanding, is it was filmed in Ireland. But and... it wasn't filmed on the island. Like that, that, like because like Mark Hamill's filming on the island, literally filming on the island, and then when he's not literally filming on the island, well, hey, he's still in Ireland. Why don't we just film here for the Jedi Temple shit? It's just a quick couple pickup shots for a flashback sequence. So I don't know if that necessarily means. I mean, whatever that could mean. Yeah, there's plenty of action on October, not whatever. But my point being, based on the facts that we know, I could I could invert that entire story that that guy just said and say that the ending is the opposite of what it said. I could say that Leia is the one who projects herself because she's not trained in the Force, she can't do it, so she projects herself to wherever Luke is and gives it a, a thing. You know, like it does. It does. With all the facts that we're presented with that we know, you could take it in almost any direction, and this only feels real because it doesn't contradict what we already know. So until I'm, I mean, I'm not saying I know that it's fake. I'm just saying. Until I hear someone else saying, oh, no, everything this guy said totally happened, I'm not going to get too worried about it. Fair enough. Because if there's not one other person, you know, corroborating it, then what does that say? Well, they've already got our money, so we'll find out in a few days. <laughs> it's it's killing me. Like, I just need someone to come out and say something. Like, Ryan Johnson to tweet, like, you guys don't have it yet. You know, like, something. Matt, I worry about you. we'll find out real soon we'll find out real real soon thank you so much for listening to the state of the empire remember you can head to the uh facebook group star wars spoilers that's exactly the place that you need to be for decompression after watching this movie that's going to be where we can all freely talk about it it's going to be a wild ride and we'll be there with you all the way so thanks so much for listening to the state of the empire we'll see you next time
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.